Hello, and welcome to Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host Benjamin, and thank you for joining me today. Now, before we get started with today's interviews, I'm just going to briefly give you a rundown of what this show is about. On this show, I'll be talking to the greats of the TV, film, musical theatre and literature industries. Now, Talk To Me will be a monthly release, so on the 20th of each month, I will release a brand new interview. Now, as this is the first ever episode of this show, I'm releasing a double interview with Wicked stars Lucy Durack and Gemma Ricks. And in the middle of the program, I'll also be giving you my review of the recent production of Wicked. And that's the other component of this show. I'll be providing reviews of various stage productions or DVD releases that I feel you guys would be interested in. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the musical Wicked, I could explain it, but I'll leave that to my very first guest. Here's Lucy Durack, star of the musical Wicked, talking about her role as Glinda. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me today. No worries, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now, you play Glinda in Wicked. How would you describe the character to someone who's never heard of her before? Well, the story of Wicked is the untold story of the witches from the Wizard of Oz. And so that's Elphaba, who's the green witch, or the wicked witch, as you might know, from the Wizard of Oz. And then my character, Glinda, the good witch, um, who is Glinda, who you know from the film, but it's her, you, we meet her at an earlier age. And... She hasn't become Glinda that we know from the film yet. She's still kind of... She's one of those people who's lived quite a sheltered life and um, things have always gone according to plan. She's Everything's gone really well for her. She's never... Nothing sort of upset the apple cart until she arrives at Shoes University, which is where she meets Alphaba. And all of a sudden there's this green witch, which is kind of shocking for lots of different reasons, who, has, who possesses actual magical powers and Glinda doesn't. Um, and this is all Glinda wants is to be somebody with magical powers and she thinks she's going to be the favourite student and everything and um, because that's, she always has been. And so, so yeah, so she's a little bit sheltered and, and she starts out kind of shallow um, to an extent. Or I believe she's always trying to do good, but it comes from quite a sheltered place. She sort of doesn't know what she doesn't know, if you want it for want of a better kind of term. And then through her meeting with Alphaba, because she, she's sort of... I guess she's kind of accidentally prejudiced against people, um, and which is, you know, I guess that's not taking very much responsibility, but she sort of just doesn't, she's very kind of, um, yeah, I guess she hasn't really seen a lot of the world, and she's not very worldly, so through her experience with Elphaba, she realises that you really do have to look beyond kind of appearances and beyond what somebody might seem and and then you'll be you know rewarded and it's much a much better way to be to be unprejudiced and to and to see people for what they really are and I think that Glinda's kind of um the the whole idea of what it is to be good changes dramatically throughout the show and she ends up a much deeper um more layered character and and she's um she learns a lot she's a lot more wise by the end of it and she does become into the good witch that we know from the film. And how do you, as an actress, uh, sort of develop a character throughout a sort of a two-hour period? Well, a lot of it is very well written. I mean, well, Wicked is very well written, so there is a lot of it in there, but I do think that... um, I think like with any character, but I do think particularly with Glinda, there's a lot of places where you could go wrong. I don't think Glinda should ever be mean. I think she should always start start from a place of being good. She's just a bit misguided. And... um, I think that 
that so that helps me to start off with because you are playing with somebody pretty you've got to go from one extreme to the other and you do want that big journey but I think for us for the journey to really pay off and for the friendship to really pay off we, we never want her to be nasty so that's I don't know I, I've I've observed the show a lot I'd seen the London production of Wicked um, before I auditioned and then once I got cast in 2000 and I got cast in 2007 for the 2008 um production and um, then they sent myself and Amanda Harrison who was our original Australian alphabet to New York and we saw the show in New York a couple of times and then I actually my now husband and I flew to England in between the Melbourne and Sydney original seasons and I saw it in London again and then he and I also went to New York last year and I saw it again in uh, in New York so I um, I'm a big fan of the show and I've, I, I really have done my done my homework never get tired of it <laughs> yeah now who's your inspiration for the role a lot of people, really, and it changes. I mean, obviously, Kristen Chenoweth, who is the original Glinda, she set up the most brilliant character. And I do think, I mean, obviously, Winnie Holtzman and Stephen Schwartz and, and indeed the story written by Gregory Maguire, they all had a lot of input, obviously, in writing this incredible script. But I do think, because Kristen Chenoweth was the actress who originated the role in the workshops as well as the original Broadway um, performances... She, you can tell her that her rhythms are kind of in there and her comp style of comedy, and she's, I think she's a comic genius, so uh, I am very inspired by her. Um, and I originally, I can't, before I ended up doing Legally Blonde the musical myself, I did think there's a little bit of Elle Woods and a little bit of Sher from Clueless. She's kind of got that Valley Girl mm. style about her, especially once we realised, I realised we were going to be doing it in American accents. I thought that's the kind of girl that she is, um, accent-wise and kind of physically. And then as I've gone, I'm a huge fan of Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and I kind of like injecting a little bit more awkward into Glinda these days, and I, I sort of like, um, I use them as my inspiration as well. Now... You first played the role in the Australian premiere. How did you get the role back then? I auditioned along with everybody else. Um, it was a very... It was the end of 2007, and it was quite a quick audition process, actually, for myself and Amanda, who played Elphaba, and Maggie, who still plays Madame Morrible, and Penny, my friend Penny, then Macmillan, now took her, who was the original Nessa. The four of us got cast within... I think about a week and a half and we found out within about a week and a half and then had to keep it a secret for a few months but for some reason they, they ended up taking longer casting the men so I'm not sure it was a longer audition process for some people. Mm. Now what attracted you back to come back for the 10th anniversary tour? Everything. <laughs> it was my dream role playing Glinda in Wicked. I used to think you know gosh if I could get to play Glinda in any capacity that would just be the ultimate sort of career goal for me. So to get to do your dream role twice in one lifetime is pretty lucky. <laughs> well, achieving that early on, have you now set new goals for characters? Um, yes, I have in, in different ways. Like I'm, I have been fortunate enough in the last... I've had two and a half years off from Wicked, in which I've done um, Legally Blonde, but then I've also done a play and some, some um, films and... TV and that sort of thing so I'd really like to do a little bit more crossing across those genres mm -hmm. and I've really enjoyed my work in that so yeah I've got a few new goals in that area. Wonderful now how have you seen the musical evolve over your tenure in the role? Um, yeah it has evolved quite a lot and I guess that's partly due to the fact that lots of different people have played all these characters and the Amer we keep getting rehearsed up by the American creative team which is great and they are so passionate but they are evolving too and their ideas on the show and everybody just is honing Wicked and honing what it means and honing the messages and how it can tell the story more succinctly and um, with more um, kind of depth and so I've seen the direction 
change to an extent and um, always for the better. I mean, it's always just, if you keep working on something, it's going to just keep getting better and better. And I think this last time having Lisa Liguio, who was the original associate director from Broadway, and Mark Myers, who came across and did, um, honed all the choreography, um, yeah, we've been very fortunate. And they, and they have a lot of stuff that they've been able to kind of, wisdom that they've been able to impart with us. So how long is the rehearsal process for a musical of this scale? Well, originally, I think we did three weeks in a rehearsal room and then three weeks in the theatre, which included the tech time and orchestra rehearsals and all of that. And it's, as you know, it's, a, it's an enormously technical show. Um, and so the tech time was, was, was pretty busy with all those, that yeah. sort of thing. So I guess it was about six weeks all up, maybe five or six weeks. And that's about, that's pretty standard. I think about five weeks is about standard. Um, yeah, this time around, because apart from myself and Reg, who plays the wizard, everybody else had been doing the show in um, Manila. They, um, we rehearsed for, I rehearsed for four days um, with the principal cast, and then the ensemble came in for a couple of days, and then we were in the theatre, so it was a much shorter um, process. But it was like riding a bike, in a way. <laughs> well, why do you think Australians have fallen in love with the show? I think Australians... And indeed, everyone worldwide has fallen in love with Wicked for a number of reasons. It's it's a really, it's a very well-written score. It's very beautiful and the music's epic and it's um, obviously very melodic and very clever and Stephen Schwartz is just a genius. And the internal rhymes are so, you know, I think you almost, a lot of the time probably, unless you're, that's kind of your style of, you know, you work in the musical theatre industry or closely re or related to it. You don't even really know why it's so amazing, but it is. It's a really intricate score and a really intricate script, and it's really well written. And there's lots of layers. You can kind of take Wicked on whatever, um, however you, whatever level you want. Whether you want to just come and see really splashy costumes and sets and lighting, and it just be a visual spectacle, you can come and get that with Wicked. Or if you want to come and hear a really beautiful score and, and a really moving story, um, then you can get that with Wicked. And, and then there's so many layers within that political layers, and I think there's. Um, you know, there's there's just so much you can take from Wicked. And, and on top of that, I just think there's something magical about it. There is just, you know, every sort of 10 years or so, there's one or two musicals that come along that are magical, and Wicked is, is that, I think, for this decade. Absolutely. Now, how do you think it relates to the original Wizard of Oz story? Um, well, it's the, I guess it's the intrigue into... I, I love the idea that Gregory Maguire has set up so well with a few different fairy tales, um where you get to, he sort of fictitiously um, made up why, you know, why things are the way they are and you get to see the story from another person's perspective and I think, um, so that's really great, you get to see it obviously from the perspective of Elphaba and, and Glinda um, and you get little hints of the Wizard of Oz along the way, you kind of maybe find out a little bit about the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and um, the Ruby Slippers and, you know, so for any sort of Wizard of Oz fans there's that which is really kind of rewarding. Um, but yeah, it's it is largely a story of friendship between the two the two girls, and um, and I think that's beautiful. It is. Now, what's the hardest part of working in this show? Um, it's physically quite demanding. You can see my bubble dress there. That weighs well. It used to weigh about twenty kilos. It's a bit lighter now, but it's physically it's quite heavy, um, and. I run up and down a lot of stairs in that and I wear quite high heels and um, so physically it's quite tiring. Vocally I have to do quite a lot, you know, I have to sort of sing sort of classically at the start and the end of the show and in the middle with thank goodness 
and then in, and then in the middle of it I also belt a little bit and I scream and I cry and I laugh and and all the rest of it um, so that can be vocally challenging but I've got a great singing teacher and I've worked really hard on making that sort of a bit easier than it was when I first started sometimes it's just hard because Gemma who plays Elphaba and I have such a close relationship and so much fun that you get to know the nuances of each other's faces so much that if you're you know you've got to maintain focus so that you don't just you know crack up at each other and become unprofessional but most of the time we've got a pretty good handle on that uh, now as you as you mentioned there is a lot uh, happening in this show especially for you emotionally yes. how do you sort of detach yourself from that so you don't get too caught up in all the emotions of the character well that's a good question and it's it's an important part because when we first started I was just a mess and it, you're right I mean I forgot to say before probably emotionally it is also that's also one of the parts that's probably most challenging and it really is quite an emotional journey to go on every night but um, as you go on you sort of develop different techniques and whatnot to kind of get you there so that you're not just I work from a place of personalizing things quite a lot and that can I don't like the feeling of you know imagining things happening to me in my life and it being like this because you just end up being this emotional wreck and um, and Glinda has you know without giving too much away for anyone um, Glinda has sort of the saddest storyline of, of anyone in the show. And, um, well, I mean, that's debatable. I guess my stories has quite a sad story, too. But um, I do have quite a sad sort of um, trajectory, I guess. And, yeah, and that's a lot to go through. So I have different techniques, like breathing techniques and kind of physicalization techniques that will get me in there as well, so I don't have to personalize it too much. But sometimes it can be quite cathartic to use something that's happened in your everyday life as well and work through it on stage. So, who inspired you to become an actress? Lots of people, I guess. Um, well, I grew up loving Judy Garland and um, Julie Andrews and um, kind of, yeah, the sort of, I loved watching all the old movie musicals and, um, and Hayley Mills. I watched a lot of Parent Trap and um, Pollyanna and all those kind of old-fashioned films. Um, and then I was, I've always, I like having people to look up to and I've always looked up to people at school. When I was at school I really looked up to the older kids who were in the musicals above me and kind of aspired to be like them. And then when I got to uni, looked up to the people above me. And, and these days, um, like I said before, like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, because I like their general life philosophy that sort of comes across. I don't know, I've never met them as in person, but, you know, they're super funny and super smart, but they seem to use their kind of for want of a better word, powers for good and they seem to kind of, they're real advocates for being kind and good and the best person you can be and being smart and, you know, not, yeah, just, I just think they have really good values and they're hilarious, so, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Now, as you mentioned earlier, you've worked on stage, TV and in film. How do the mediums vary? Uh, well, at the end of the day, I think we're all always going for truth and that's what kind of binds us it, it all together but yeah it is quite different um going between the two like being in a huge theater like the regent which is probably the one of the biggest theaters i've worked in you know i know i've sat in the regent before and you, if you're sitting far back you can't see people's faces so you have to be really make sure that your storytelling and your physicality and your diction is very good and um it is a sort of heightened realism um and that i'm always getting notes to to be more heightened i sort of tend to shy away and get sort of quieter and I guess I guess in a quest for real, being realistic and truthful sometimes I possibly need to project a bit more and need to um, be a bit more physically heightened um, 
yeah, whereas in film you don't need to do any of that. In fact, you can just do as little as possible often and that seems to work. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's different, but at the same time the sensibilities of yeah, being as truthful as you can is, is the same. So, so which is your favourite of the mediums? I, don't, I really love doing all of them. I really like the variety of it. There was, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough occasionally to do both at the same time and that's really fun and, and thrilling and um, whilst I was doing the Adelaide season of Wicked I was flying in and out and doing a little part in the film called Goddess in Sydney and that was really exciting and it, it sort of fueled my performance. Both performances kind of fueled each other because I, I was on such a high and I was enjoying both jobs so much that they were kind of just you know, I was learning something on one thing and then I'd bring that into this and, you know, I'm a big advocate for doing as many classes as you can. So often I've organised for us as a company, but on Legally Blonde and Wicked, um, to go and do film and television courses and that sort of thing during the day. So we're sort of thinking about our craft in different ways and then you do bring different fresh ideas to to your show at night to keep it fresh. So you're doing it eight times a week for months and months on end. Absolutely. Now, what would be your ideal role in a musical? I know you mentioned Glinda earlier, but moving beyond Wicked, what would be your ideal role? Oh, look, I, I, I'd love to have a go at sort of a classic musical, um, like a Rodgers and Hammerstein, really any of the Rodgers and Hammerstein. I love Carousel. I love some music. I love, um, yeah, there's lots of beautiful sort of classic um, shows that I, I would love to maybe one day have a go at one of them. And... Um, and then I'd love to do something Australian. One of my best friends is Matthew Robinson, who writes beautiful Australian music, and he and I work together a lot. And he writes great musicals, and I'd love to be involved on in another one of his shows. I've, I've been involved in a couple of them before, but it'd be nice to involve, be involved in some more, and perhaps on a larger scale. He's going sort of from strength to strength. And we've got some great writers, he, uh, Maddie, and then we've got um, Dean Bryant and Maddie Frank, great another great Australian writing duo, and... Eddie Perfect and Anthony Costanzo, there's heaps and heaps of great Australian writers. So, yeah, I feel really inspired by that as well. So what's been your favourite project so far? The one that I'm working on right now, and it usually is. It's whatever you're doing at the moment. Yeah, so Wicked at the moment. And um, I've got a couple of other things that I'm kind of working on during the day and they're keeping me interested as well. Well, uh, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in this industry? I think just work as hard as you can because if you you know you've got you've got to love it so if you don't absolutely love it then you should find something that you absolutely love um but if you absolutely love it then work as hard as you can because it's probably not going to feel like hard work it's going to feel like a lot of fun and um stay really positive and support your fellow people because at the end of the day it's largely about like a team it's a team sport and i think be um be a good team member and and be proud of everyone because if, if somebody's doing good and doing well then support them and be proud of them because that means that it's out there for everyone absolutely well thank you very much for your time today thank you my pleasure that was me talking to lucy durack in melbourne last week now before i play you the second and final interview of the show i'm going to briefly give you a review of the current production of wicked now, like a great deal of the musical theatre community and uh, Australia in general, I have seen the musical before. But I do think this production is a lot brighter, a lot bolder, and a lot stronger than some of the previous shows I've seen. Now, firstly, I want to talk about some of the standouts in the show. Reg Livermore is currently playing the wizard, and I think he is absolutely fantastic. He's only in three or four scenes in the entire show, but he certainly steals those scenes. 
Um, he really brings a whole lot of life, which we haven't always seen uh, in the wizard, to the role. And he also has that sort of cockiness, but also that underlying insecurity that really makes the character. Now, there are a couple of fantastic songs in this production that are just done so well by the cast, and I want to compliment uh, the ensemble on being exceptionally strong, and uh, they're always dancing over the set changes, so you're watching a dance number and then the next scene's there, which makes the transitions a lot easier um, and less noticeable. As I was saying, the ensemble is exceptionally strong, and there were a couple of standout numbers for me. I felt that Defying Gravity, which is one of the iconic pieces from the show, was performed astoundingly by Gemma Ricks, who we will hear from next, and the finale, For Good, was also performed astoundingly well by Lucy and Gemma. Now, I do want to uh, mention a couple of the other cast members who I thought did a fantastic job during this production. Steve Danielson as Fierro was fantastic, and Matt Holly as Chistery the monkey. He really captured the the movement which I think was needed for that role and hadn't always been done correctly. Now, something else about this production was the incredible lighting and set. Now, there is a lot of set in a production the scale of Wicked, but as I mentioned earlier, the set transitions, you just didn't notice them, which is a fantastic thing. And the sets were very, very detailed, and the lights were used a lot more effectively, and of course, the famous dragon, uh, which sits at the top of the theatre, was a lot more lively than it had been in previous productions, which certainly added to the atmosphere of the show. Now, I did see an understudy as Madame Morrible in this production, which was a little bit of a disappointment, as the actress clearly didn't quite have the character as well as I'm sure the normal actress does, but she did a great job vocally. Um, she just didn't look old enough to play the role, but that really didn't detract from the spectacle that is Wicked. And even if you've seen it before, um, I'd certainly encourage you to go again as this production is ten times more lively, uh, vocally stronger, visually more stunning. Uh, I would just go back and see it again and again. And I do encourage you, especially if you haven't seen it yet, to go and check it out. It's playing from May the 6th to September the 7th in Melbourne, from September 20th to January 30th, 2015 at the Capitol Theatre in Sydney. And it's playing from February 12th to April 19th in Queensland at the Queensland Performing Arts Centre. But now, let's hear from the other star of the show. Gemma Ricks is the longest-running Alphaba in the world. And here she is talking about her role in the show and how she went from playing the role in Universal Studios in Japan in the 30-minute version of the show to becoming the world's longest-running Alphaba. Here she is. Hello and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, you play Alphaba in Wicked. Now, your character alternates between good and evil. How do you see her? Um, I think that's one of the most interesting things about Wicked is that you sort of have this idea of, of what the Wicked Witch is from The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> and she's this evil character, and, and you discover that she's not evil at all. In, in fact, everything that she does is from a good place and an honest place. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, so I think it makes you really question, you know, how much you know about somebody and, you know, to never judge a book by its cover. So it's actually very, very clever and uh, a wise thing that uh, lesson for everybody to, to learn from. Absolutely. Now, for our listeners who haven't seen the show, where would you fit Wicked into the continuity of Wizard of Oz? Ah, well, I think that with Wicked, it's two things. I think that it's the book Wicked from Mm -hmm. Gregory Gregory Maguire um, and then also The Wizard of Oz. And so I think that it has the dark elements from the book and the novel um, with the politics of the animals and and things like that. But then you've also got the connection with the Tin Man and um, the Lion and all of that that then goes inside with the the Wizard of Oz. Um, But it's a good balance of the two. So it's sort of, it stands on its own, but it has two elements to it of of what Wicked is. So you've mentioned the book. Mm -hmm. How do you think the musical varies from the book? Um, A lot. I think that when I read the book, I was, it took me forever because I found it was really hard to understand and, 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 and follow. And so I had to read it like a couple of times before I could really Mm. understand the concept of it. Um, so yeah, so I think that it, it definitely has its elements of what I was saying before about the animals and, and the politics and, and things like that, um, but, but I do think that it kind of stands on its own as well. How has playing the role of uh, the Wicked Witch changed the way you view Wizard of Oz? Um, oh, when I first watched Wicked and, and, and read the, scr- the script, I, I was kind of like, this is really clever because you don't really think about it at the time, but The Wizard of Oz has so many things that are unanswered and that you just see it for what it is, but there is so much that could be possibly happening behind the scenes. So they've just taken that and uh, turned The Wizard of Oz on its head and makes you really question that film. And and even when I've watched The Wizard of Oz since knowing Wicked, the musical, um, I've really gone, wow, it still all really does work in together. Um, so it's just very, very clever. So do you think diehard fans of Wizard of Oz will appreciate Wicked as much as people who aren't so much fans of Wizard of Oz? Um, who isn't a fan of Wizard of Oz? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's a classic. You can't really, uh, I, I wouldn't know anyone that wouldn't love that, that film. So I think that for, for Wicked the Musical, I think that um, people relate to Elfie very much with uh, the, the fact of being bullied and, and picked on and being misunderstood. And then also then for singers and performers, you know, the music is beautiful and, and sort of working towards learning those songs and, and things like that. So it's got a bit of, of everything for everybody. Absolutely. Now, can you explain the journey from playing Alphabet in a 30-minute show in Japan to being the world's longest-running Alphabet? (laughs) So, my first job was um, in Japan, and I was doing another show before that. And so when they were saying, oh, we're going to do Wicked Bit, a half an hour version, I was like, what? How could you do that? And so there was characters missing. So there wasn't a Madame Morrible. There wasn't a Fiero. So it was really just the relationship between Linda and Elfie and um, the Wizard of Oz as well. He was in that as well. And the monkeys and sort of that sort of story. And so they did it really well and it did make absolute sense, but it was just obviously a lot quicker (laughs) and all happened really, really fast. Um, But it was was quite a, a surreal thing for me to experience because... Because I went over there for a different show and and I, even though I've done acting classes and, and, and have um, done acting things you know throughout my whole life I've never really done like a proper musical theatre mm-hmm. show other than amateur theatre when I was in the ensemble so to be then put into this acting role I was a little bit like oh goodness plus it was Japanese so that was another thing that I had to get my head around um, but it was really good and, and, and I really worked really hard and 
you know, the, the Elfie that I started off with at that point to the one that I was nine months later was a completely different character. Um, and that was just through me just experiencing and, and learning and figuring out who I wanted Elfie to be. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it was a great sort of taste into the world of, of Wicked. Um, but doing the whole show is a completely different thing. It's, it's a lot more challenging. Um, it vocally is a lot more draining and... Uh, but it's also very, very rewarding, so I feel pretty happy. <laughs> and how would you say playing the roles changed your life? Uh, well, it's been my life, so I don't really know what I would be doing if I didn't have Wicked in my life, because I started, when I was in Japan, I was 21. So I did that for like a year, and then I came back here for about a year, and then I auditioned for Wicked. So I was doing auditions for other shows, but didn't get anything, and then auditioned for Wicked, and then got the standby. So. Um, so really since then, since 21 to now 29, and I'll still be going, you know, because we're doing Sydney, so I'll be 30 at the end of the year, you know, like that is crazy. <laughs> it's a really, really long time, but it's awesome. You know, like why not? <laughs> well, how will you cope when the show finishes? Yeah, I probably won't know who I am or what to do with my life. <laughs> well, what do you think of the underlying messages of the show? I think it's really important. I think that um, even though it's the, the land of Oz in this foreign place, it's been created, it's all the values are of our world and uh, friendship and and you know as I was saying before never judge a book by its cover and and just sort of you know making you really think about things and 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 not to judge so quickly on people and uh, you know friendship the abuse of power you know rights of, of people it's there are all these messages and and some people can take so much from it and then other people can just sit and relax and watch and just enjoy the spectacle the music you know, lights and costumes, like it's what, whatever you want out of it, it's got, it's got it all. Well, what do you think are the important elements to make a musical successful? Um, I think it's a combination of things. I think you've obviously got to have a great script and then you've also got to have great music. Um, and then also, you know, the actors play a huge part in it. You know, it's, you really need to have people that are going to you know, portray that, that story and that message truthfully. Um, so that people can relate to it and feel, you know, what they're meant to be feeling at that time. Um, so, yeah, it's a, definitely a combination of, of many, many things to make a musical successful. Absolutely. And how do you think the Australian view of musicals has changed since you started? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Social media has been a huge thing. It start, when I first started, social media was um, only just sort of starting out. Like, I don't think Twitter... Instagram definitely wasn't. I don't think Twitter was around when I first started. So that's sort of become a whole new thing that I'm, and I'm very bad with technology. So I'm trying to learn how to, you know, post things and tweet things and I'm, I'm doing all right. But, um, but yeah, that's another element as a performer that you need to sort of have in your bag of tricks, I guess, um, to, to be available for, for fans. And, you know, and the best thing about it is you get this, when I finish a show at nighttime, you get this immediate response, you get people following you, you get people saying, oh my God, I watched the show just now. You know what I mean? Like, the, how nice is that? <laughs> you know, thank you. No, <laughs> you it know? must be very rewarding. Absolutely. You know, there are so many jobs, well, pretty much all jobs besides performing, where you just do your job and you go home, and whereas this, you get applauded and then you go home. So it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it definitely would be. Now, how do you take such an iconic role as the Wicked Witch of the West and make it your own? Um, 
I think that it happens naturally because you're trying to stay true to your text and what your other characters are saying to you. Um, but then you also have, we have the American director and we have a resident director as well. And what they do is they tell you the intentions of the scene and what they would like and what they would like the character to be feeling and where she's come from. And they give you all this backstory. And so then with all that backstory and that's all in your head, then the natural and truth performance will come out from from just being you know uh, available and open in the scene and with all that backstory that's what sort of develops with the the character itself so that's kind of how they do it they don't obviously give you lines of how to say things it's it's more about why she's saying that and 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 where she come from to be feeling this way do you know what i mean so yeah. it's all that sort of stuff so it's it's really really cool and when the americans come they make you work so hard and you're so exhausted, but they get the best out of you. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully the audience feels, you know, feels for the characters. I'm sure they will. Now, what's been the highlight of your career so far? Um, actually, probably, to be honest, coming back here and opening Melbourne... Um, because I didn't get that opportunity because I was a standby originally. So, so yeah, so I think that was actually really exciting because I live here, so it's my home. So it was really cool to sort of have that moment of being at home and, and, and opening the show. And, and yeah, that was kind, that's kind of, there's been lots of, lots of good things that my life has been filled with. So I've been very, very lucky and grateful, but um, that was a pretty special moment for me. Absolutely. Now, what is it about musical theatre that appeals to you? I think that I, I'm a singer from, that's my main thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I love so, so much. And I feel that um, with this musical in particular, the music is just beautiful. Like when I first heard Adina Menzel, the original soundtrack, I was so blown away by the lyrics and by the song structure of how everything built. And it just, I didn't even know about the story or anything, but I was brought to tears just by listening to that, you know, to the, well, it was No Good Deed. It was actually all of them, Wizard of I, Wizard and I, No Good Deed, Define Gravity. I was brought to tears. So, like, that in itself is so powerful. And I feel like, you know, it's such a beautiful thing that when you're watching uh, people act and then they get to this point of an emotional turn that then it, leads into song and I, I don't know I just think it's beautiful and I think it's really special and I think live theatre in general is just a very magical thing that everybody should experience at some point because it's real and it's raw and you don't know what's going to happen and yeah it's a it's it's something that everybody should hopefully get to, to witness. Absolutely and do you think theatre audiences have expanded since you first started playing the role? I think so. The fan base has probably grown more so because um, when we first started, it was still always had a buzz. Wicked itself is always very much fan base, um, and I do. I was interested to see how it was going to be when we actually got back to Melbourne. Um, but stage doors being, you know, full, like there's always people waiting, and I take a while to get degreen, so they're all waiting for me in the cold. <laughs> so yeah, so it still feels everyone's excited and 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 passionate about the show and just as they were before so but probably it probably has increased more so and i think with what i was saying about twitter and instagram like that creates more of a a, a, a buzz. buzz yeah exactly yeah mm. yeah well what attracted you back to the 10th anniversary tour um i just think that for me like where i'm at in my life like i'm not i'm not ready to have kids yet i'm married um but i don't know like i'm still at the right age my voice is still holding up I'm still enjoying the show. Um, 
I didn't get to open Melbourne or Sydney, so it's just kind of like it's not something that I've actually done. So, um, so I don't know. I just sort of it just felt right for me to keep going, and and honest honestly, it's a role of a lifetime. So it's kind of like while it's there, it's limited time that you're offered things like this. Mm. So it's like you you really need to take it if it's Jump on if the you channels. can. Yeah, yeah. So otherwise, you'll regret it. <laughs> Most certainly. Now, why do you think Australia's fallen in love with the show? I think everywhere, like we've been to Singapore, Manila, um, Auckland, Korea, like we've been to all these places and it's always been the same response. I think it's in internationally as well with America and everything, not that we've gone there as Australia company, but um, I think that it's, there's just something about it. And I think that it's the, the friendship between the two, it's being misunderstood. You know, everybody's been picked on at some point in their life that they can relate to Elphaber and, and and take something from that and then I just think also just musically people just it's so thrilling to to hear mm-hmm. to witness um so I think that it's those sort of two things that people really really relate to that creates that excitement of of the fan base for for the show everywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now I did see an incredible photo from the New Zealand uh, tour mm-hmm. of the stage door on closing night where there were literally hundreds and hundreds of people how does that make you feel it's it's pretty crazy, like, because I'm, you know, I'm just the same. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, like, I can't even imagine what it's like to be someone like, you know, Beyonce or, you know, Katy Perry. Like, cause I'm sure they probably feel like that. They're just, like, normal people. They're, like, everyday people. They have to do the same things as everybody else. But they get this sort of, yeah, response from people. But um, it's it's really cool because it's it's you're being appreciated. It's pretty nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It's not coming from a, a bad place. It's coming from an awesome place that people are wanting to say, you know, I watched your show and, and you were fantastic or, you know, whatever it is or I can relate to this because of this. And, and you know what I mean? Like that's pretty – it's pretty special to, to have that sort of love and, and, and energy from people every day. It certainly would be. Now, the cast does seem to change a bit. So what steps do you go through to ensure that the rapport stays strong between all the cast members? We've got a great, great cast here. Um, when we started together all in um, in Auckland as well. Just everyone's so easygoing and so nice. And, and you can't really pick it, so it doesn't always happen that way. But um, everybody's just friendly and lovely and, and, and happy to be working. So, so yeah, so I, you can't really control that, but we've all just got a great group of people, so we all have fun together. Yeah, that yeah. would certainly make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Now, can you walk us through the process you go through to prepare before each show? Mm-hmm. So I turn up, so we have an hour call. I turn up half an hour before the hour call um, and I warm up my voice and I warm up for about half an hour, like I warm up quite a lot, but that's because, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but I feel like I have to because I've got to sing Wizard and it's I. A, it's a vocally intense yeah. musical. Yeah, so it's, it's you don't really ease into the show. You've got you to be at your warmest right, right from eight o'clock. So... So I make sure I'm very, very warm and then at the hour call then I sit down and I paint my nails <laughs> and, uh, and then I have Kelly who does my makeup for me and so I just sit in the chair and relax and she just greens me up, uses all the, the brushes that you see here and, uh, and yeah, we just have a little chat and all that kind of stuff and then once she's done, then I finish up my warm up, do a mic check, show starts do a couple more things just vocally. I do some of the lines to get the American accent into my voice. 
And uh, and yeah, and then I head up, grab my suitcase, and then I run on stage. <laughs> now, how do you keep the performance fresh each night when you've done the show thousands of times? Mm, it's a thing that I've had to learn. So for me, the best way to, to keep it fresh and real is to actually not think. So I'm, I am literally on stage being Elphaba. I'm not Gemma. And sometimes you can be Gemma in your head. And you can start thinking of things and you're saying lines and you're thinking of things. And that's the worst thing you can ever do because you, you're either thinking too much or you're, you're not really listening to the other characters. So it's sort of like meditation, to be honest, where you actually have to tell your mind to stop and you just have to just listen. And like I literally will just be listening and then you're 100% there. And so then when you, you respond, it is 100% truthful. Yeah. Now, how do you manage the emotional roller coaster of the role? As it is a very intense musical. Mm, I, the technique thing was very, very hard, and that took the longest. Um, and I'm still working on it. Like it's not, it's not something that you forget and you just can't stop. You know, you always have to think about your technique. And um, when I first started doing the show, because Elfa was so angry, and she's always yelling, so I didn't know how to yell safely. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's not something that you really know. So when I first started doing the shows, Kelly at the time, the musical director, she was like, we need to get you to yell properly, otherwise you'll lose your voice. So we worked on that and where the placement is of how your voice sits and, and where it still can be projected loudly and aggressive sounding but without damaging the vocal cords. So, um, so yeah, so technique is a huge thing. And we always have, like, the um, musical director comes in every day and it's like... You know, Gemma, you're singing sharp on that note, or Gemma, you're singing flat on that note. <laughs> so it's always a process that's always happening. And um, but but I emotionally, as a, as a person, um, you get fitter. But I'm exhausted right now, like, and that's because I had that big big break. Then you get chucked in, and so then I've just got to get used to it again. And you just gradually get fitter, and and you don't get as affected by it as as what you um you know I am at the moment but um, I'll get there <laughs> how long does that generally take to sort of get back into the swing of it ah uh, you know when I f- we had a big break in uh, before we started in Auckland and so I was I didn't realize like how much it took out of me and I was exhausted pretty much the majority of, of Auckland and it wasn't until the last two weeks we were there for I think for about 10 weeks last two weeks I started to feel good <laughs> so it does take a while but in saying that I haven't had like 10 months off this has only been about six weeks mm. so I'll in the next couple weeks I'll probably be you know back on um it still doesn't affect my show my show is still strong it's more just in my downtime I'm just a little bit more oh, <laughs> zombie like <laughs> certainly now what advice would you offer for anyone looking to work in this industry um you know, do it, give it a go. Like I, with my circumstances, I never thought I would be in musical theatre because I never studied for it. You know, it wasn't something that was in my, my mind. I did amateur theatre, I sang in a band. I was I was doing things just to feed the, the soul for the passion of, of performing. And at the time I was working as a beauty therapist full time. So I was doing all that plus working full time. Um, and then once I'd finished my apprenticeship, I was like, oh, I'm just going to just audition for things and just see what happens and that's literally what happened with me so I think that probably for the people that maybe didn't grow up having that sort of those choices in life even though if, if you had the opportunity I would I would have loved to have gone to Wapa or you know I would have loved that but where I grew up it just wasn't that wasn't my life 
um, but to not give up hope that if, if you really have that passion for it that anything can happen and you just work really really hard and and uh, be a humble person and be always wanting to grow and uh, you never know where you could possibly be. Well thank you for those very wise words and joining me today. No now Wicked is on tour uh, around Australia and it's playing in Melbourne at the moment and that finishes... I think September. September yeah, and then you open in Sydney yeah. and uh, finish up in Brisbane. Yes. Yeah. So uh, people can catch that and you're on Twitter I believe as well. Yep. Gemma Ricks Oz. And then on Instagram, it's Gemma Riggs underscore Oz. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. That was Gemma Riggs talking to me about her time in Oz. Now, that is the end of the show for today. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this is a monthly program. So I'll be back next month. As this is a Preacher's podcast production, for more updates on upcoming guests and exact release dates for episodes, head on over to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Preacher's Podcast. You can find updates about any online projects or onstage projects for the Preacher's Podcast production company. Thanks to our supplier, Roadshow DVDs. Next month, I'll have a great load of DVD reviews for you, as well as our interview. And... You can check out the website as well, which is www.preacherspodcast.net. And up there on that site is some photos of me with our guests from today. I've been your host, Benjamin Mayer McKay. This is Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. See you next month.